Uh, when I was eight years old, I was bit by a rattlesnake uh, while out hiking with my dad. Uh, lots of doses of antivenom that didn't, didn't really help. And my leg continued to swell until they lost the pulse, uh, pulse in the leg. Kind of came down to two decisions. I do a fasciotomy, which is where they split you open. Uh, in my case, from my big toe up to my hip. I was in the hospital for 19 days and 350 something staples. Later, I was closed up. No long lasting damages, just a cool scar and a cool story. That, um, you know, 30 something years later led me to Listo. Chaos. What's up, guys? This is another episode of the Tejas Hunt Club podcast. This one right here, I'm really excited for. This week, we're going to have on Trey Dyer, Listo Provisions. This is a product that I've uh, been following for a long time and been a user of. Um, he makes snake-proof gaiters. If you're like me, I like wearing the most comfortable shoe I can when I'm hunting, and having these snake-proof gaiters um, to go over any shoe that I want to wear has been awesome. I uh, used them on dove hunts um, in North Texas. I even took them to Idaho, warm in the snow, and they worked great. They're not 100% waterproof, but they're water resistant, and my boots stayed pretty dry even walking through, you know, calf deep snow. So they're a great product. I'm excited to have Trey on to talk about it. Appreciate y'all following along, and if you can, you know, leave a review or share it with a friend or family member and let them listen to it also. As always, follow us on social media to get those updates at Tejas Hunt Club and at BarMC Media. And don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel at BarMC Media to watch all of our videos, not just the podcast. We have hunting stuff. We have uh, rodeo stuff. So a little bit for everybody. So if you check out the channel, hit that subscribe button. We really appreciate it. But uh, we're going to hop into the podcast with Trey Dyer of Listo Provisions. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Teos Hunt Club podcast. I'm Brandon McDowell, and today, or this afternoon, I get to sit down with Trey Dyer with Listo Provisions and uh, talk to him about how he got in the outdoors, why he started Listo, what it means to him, and, you know, just get his story. I, I've used his product for a little while now, I used a dove hunt, and I actually wore them and took him up to Idaho for our mule deer hunt, so they worked out great for me, so uh trey we'll get a little introduction from you and uh we'll get started here yeah man appreciate it uh early adopter on the listo provisions i think you were like customer number four uh so which is awesome i appreciate that can you hear um, me but yeah i'm from uh, abilene texas originally yeah you got me uh-oh uh-oh we're gonna hold on man that's probably me can you hear me, Trey? Hey, Brandon, I'm going to walk closer to the house. Uh-oh. I lost him. We're having some technical difficulties, but we'll get them figured out. There we go. Okay, maybe I'll have some better uh, <laughs> better service here. Let me grab a stool real quick. I just moved into my garage. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Which is closer. Okay, just that. Take two. There we go. 
no problem at all, man. It it happens. I know for sure. I apologize. We were running around like chickens with their heads cut off trying to get kids home from soccer practice and everything. So anyway, I'm ready. Sounds good. So uh, we'll just start with uh, your introduction and, you know, how you got in the outdoors and a little, about, a little bit about yourself. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Brandon. Um, so uh, born and raised in Abilene, Texas. And uh, so kind of that's where my story starts. Um, uh, when I was eight years old, I was bit by a rattlesnake uh, while out hiking with my dad. And um, so we got to the hospital about an hour probably after I was bit and uh, lots of doses of antivenom that didn't, didn't really help. And my leg continued to swell until they lost a pulse, uh, pulse in the leg. And doctors had some concern about, uh, you know, blood flow and um, kind of came down to two decisions. I do a fasciotomy, which is where they split you open. Uh, in my case, from my big toe up to my hip and, leave that leave that wound open for a period of weeks to allow the um, swelling to go down and then restore blood flow to the leg. Uh, the fear was if they couldn't get blood flow restored, then I would lose the leg. So um, luckily, uh, did the fasciotomy. I was in the hospital for 19 days and 350-something staples. Later, I was closed up and, you know, no no long lasting damage is just a cool scar and a cool story really yeah. is all came of it. But that, um, you know, 30 something years later led me to Listo because, uh, I had been using the same pair of snake snake gators for, well, really since the year after that happened, an old man gave me a pair, uh, in exchange for a Polaroid picture of my leg cut open in the hospital that he could use at his uh, booth at gun shows. Yeah. And so I still have them and they worked for all these years, but you know, we're starting to wear out and I was looking for something else that uh, to replace them with and nothing on the market really seemed to be as good as the old ones that I had. And even those could stand some improvement. So, uh, you know, Mike, like most stories, that's where it starts. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's where I started and took that idea and just kind of decided there was nothing on the market that, that I liked in that, you know, in that kind of niche there for, uh, snake gators, snake protection. Yeah. And that's where Listo was born, I guess. That's, that's a incredible story. Like, I, that's kind of what, where I found you on Instagram because I was in that same boat. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, like wearing snake boots. I mean, they're cool, but they're, they're not really that comfortable. And you could ask anybody in my friends, if most of the time, unless it's like really, really cold outside, I'm wearing flip-flops. So <laughs> <laughs> I like the le least amount of shoes on as, as possible. So being able to wear, you know, something comfortable like Hey Dudes or, or even, or your boot, regular boots and then still have that protection wearing your, your brush cruisers is, yep. is pretty cool. Cause I remember when you first posted about them and I was, I was really eager to get my hands on some. And I remember you saying you were having like some issues and stuff, getting started, you know, get them out on production. Mm -hmm. But I was there every time you posted, Man. I was like, I can't wait for them. I can't wait. No, no, you were, you've been there since the beginning, uh, which is awesome because, you know, that's the kind of encouragement I think that it takes to, to keep, to keep going, to see people that, 
you don't necessarily know have an interest in it. Yeah. Um, which, which I, you know, I'm really grateful for that because like I said, that's encouragement and that keeps you motivated to keep going when people are like, Hey, it's, it's really cool. We're, we're really excited to see it when you finally do get it out, even if yeah. it takes, takes two years or whatever it did. But yep. um, yeah, no, we're, we're excited about it. And uh, um, you know, there's other, other benefits to it, you know, I mean, it's the, it's snake protection, but in, in my opinion, and I feel like I've got a pretty decent feel about it since I've been bit, but uh, yeah. you know, if you broke it down, it's the, the 1% or probably less of the time that you may actually encounter snakes. Yeah. You've got that little bit of a uh, little bit of level of insurance and, and confidence and it allows you to enjoy what you're in the field to do in the first place. Yeah. Um, you know, I know when I was 12 years old, you know, not far removed from being bit, uh, go dove hunting with my dad or, or whatever. I would go and have fun, but man, my head was on a swivel the whole time. Like, Cause yeah. you know, we just well once bit twice shy. Right. So yeah, you're, um, you're not going to forget that. Nope. And, and so, so that's great, but where they really shine um, in my opinion is everything else out there, cactus, thorns, cat claw, yuccas, lechuguilla, um, all that pokey stuff is, I mean, they do great in that. I've worn them yeah. in Arizona on coos deer hunts. I've worn them in West Texas on Audet hunts. Where a, a hunt where you need a good boot, you know, you need a lace-up yeah. hiker with some support and stability, um, which a snake boot's not going to offer you. A Justin no, or a not, Chippewa, not at all. <laughs> and you know, you need that. You need that good boot, but you also want that little bit of protection, whether it's from snakes or, like I said, from just just the stuff, man. I mean, cactus yeah. and everything else. And that's where I think they, they really carry their weight. Like if you ever get hit, it's going to make all the difference in the world, but the day to day of brush is they shine. Yep. They really do. And we use them turkey hunting and everything. So yeah, they worked awesome. I even used them, you know, walking out to the stand whitetail hunting just in case, you know, just walking through the brush and everything yeah. especially when those days we were sitting out there in october and it's it's hot outside so you really don't be wearing pants you're wearing shorts mm -hmm. and like your boots and then of course the brush cruiser so yep. they, they came in handy for sure yeah you know my wife even uh took them another another direction and wore them on a uh late november pheasant hunt in south dakota and uh which you know it's like it's frozen snow on the ground but what she came yep. back and told, told me was and you might have experienced this on your mule deer hunt but she said yep. like the cut corn all the frozen cut corn stalks i mean she said those were no joke on people's shins but no no with they're the not. brush cruisers they were fine you know yeah they they work great even we're walking through the snow and everything and i, I stayed pretty dry with them i know mm -hmm. you said like they're water resistant but they still work great walking through the snow we were probably six to eight inches in spots so yeah. it came up pretty high and they were they were awesome my pants were dry that's great no yeah uh, I'm, yeah that uh, i've had you and a couple other guys that have uh used them in in snow conditions you know uh that reached out to me ahead of time, like, Hey, are these going to work in the snow? And I'm like, man, they're DWR. They ought, they ought to be fine. Um, but not really the intention, but if, if yep. you can use them in multiple seasons and that's even better, uh, I don't know if you, 
saw the picture on our Instagram page, but uh, Bowen Parrish uh, on a general tag in my, uh, Colorado this year shot a great mule deer buck at, yeah. uh, in the snow, and he's wearing his brush cruisers. And I was like, how did they work? And he's like, man, they, they were great. So yeah. that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, especially when they can adapt to different things. And like you said, you probably didn't have that for planned when you were designing them, but right. just so happened, you know, the design and the thoughts that you put into everything else applied to that too. So yeah, it's cool when sure. you can build products like that and, you know, like have people use them and apply them. Like, so. Oh, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And, and it's, it's, uh, I, I have a friend that calls those Easter eggs when it comes to products, you know, little <laughs> yeah. things that yeah. you discover later. And, um, that's kind of like our carry bag, you know? Um, uh, yeah. I get a lot of feedback that that bag is probably just as cool, if not cooler than the brush cruisers. <laughs> yep. And it, uh, it, gives it really you is. Yeah. Yeah. You could never forget them because they're you always never forget back in the bag. Throw them in the bag. And, and, and I've used that bag for other things, you know, just trying to, you know, Hey, I'll just see if this bag will work for it. And it's like, that's pretty cool. You know, you use, use the bag. So, yeah. Um, awesome. Actually, I'll tell you a funny story when I was doing it, the bag kind of came out of, uh, of, uh, really a market, more marketing than anything initially, uh, because for 20 years, if you open the driver's door of my truck, you're going to find a crown Royal bag full of change, you know, uh, yeah. Hey, yep. I've never bought a bottle of crown Royal in my life, but I have <laughs> that bag. Right. And, you know, I, so I was like, if, if, if you can put them in some packaging that, People may not even ever use that product in that package again, but yeah. if they use that bag, they're always going to see, you know, at least no provisions on it. And yep. and if it's utilitarian, then that's that's great. So that's kind of where that came from. That's a great idea. I mean, yeah. I, same thing. Like I grew up, you know, put change in the Crown Royal bag. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I wish I could go back and like figure out who was the first person, you know, that started <laughs> that. Like how did that grow like it like it has? That'd be pretty I mean, cool. To find. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've had two of them, uh, bust, you know, like finally yeah. I lift, I lift it out of the door and it just, they just explode. So yeah. <laughs> these bags won't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. Well, cool, man. I, I, like I said, I love, love your product that you have. It, like, how did you, I know you said you, you had a pair of gators before and like you didn't find anything on the market, but was this like your first attempt at, uh, trying to do this? Like your being an entrepreneur, I guess you'd say, yeah. or like, you, or do you have a history of ha doing other things like that too? No, I definitely do not. I have a history of playing at Uber safe, <laughs> <laughs> which, which doesn't really fit, but, um, no, uh, it was my first stab at it. Um, you know, I've like most people in hunting and fishing and into the outdoors, you kind of, you, you, you like gear. I mean, we're all yeah. gearheads in a way. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've been lucky enough to have some friends and acquaintances that have had successful outdoor brands. And so that, I mean, was huge in helping me out, you know, with, with the right contacts, the right people. Um, the, the one thing I did know going into this is that I don't know anything. So that, you know, and if you, if you know what you don't know, I think you're, you're dangerous. And that yeah. was, it's like, hey, man, I don't know anything about this. And it's like, well, you need to go talk to this guy or you need to go talk to this person or have a phone call with this gal, you know. And um, that's really, that's 
the only way I was able to do it, you know, because I don't have a history of sewing. I don't have a history of product development or marketing. I I, I got a history of getting bit by a rattlesnake. Like that's that's my history, right? So, yeah. Well, you know, that's cool that you were, you know, smart enough and like aware of your, what you were good at, what you did know, and then like what you did to be able to reach out to those people and like take that help and, you know, build up on that. That's, that's pretty cool. You know, I kind of like understand, you know, doing like the photography and videography stuff. Like I, I didn't know anything about it. Megan did. She, she mm-hmm. shot photography during high school. Like I took one photography class in high school. I did pretty good in it. And mm-hmm. I've always kind of had like a, uh, marketing kind of deal, but it has my, my minors in marketing from Sam Houston state, but I didn't really have the technical skills. I didn't know if you handed me a camera, I didn't know how to run it. I didn't know how to do any of that. And I went to YouTube school and that's where I learned it. And I'm reaching out to people on Instagram and asking questions and stuff like that. Yeah. That's how it came along. That's awesome. I know yeah. to turn it to a for auto. That's what I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that that was like the first thing Megan told me. She was like, uh, you're not doing that. You turn it to M and work off manual and you learn that way. So, yeah, it was definitely trial by fire, but we figured it out. Now it's like some of the stuff I go back and look at old videos that I was so excited, you know, while I was editing or like photos I took and like look at them now and I'm like, oh, my gosh, how did I yeah. even that was good. <laughs> but you know it's it's uh you learn and you develop and you get better so it's it, like you said it's a ton of fun to like go through that process cool yeah so tell me like uh i know you said the, the rattlesnake happened like when you're on a hike and stuff but how mm-hmm. did you how did you start hunting how did you start fishing <laughs> i was I was hiking your first uh outings in the outside yeah, you know, um, West Texas, um, my dad, so my dad always hunted and loved to hunt. My grandparents loved to fish, but they didn't do it the way that, you know, we kind of do it now. It was more of a, like literally a pastime, not or a, yeah. is a hobby. And, um, my, my family, grandparents, great grandparents owned a ranch in San Saba County. So we would go visit a lot and i mean i got to spend plenty of time outside but hunting wasn't you know i mean think about it and these days like if your kid hadn't shot a 130 inch buck by the time they're six years old it's like well what are you doing what are you waiting for i mean back then i think i think i think dads had it figured out back then they left the kids at home (laughs) and i mean it's great to get kids in the outdoors and i love taking mine but like it just wasn't the case right you just until you were of a certain age. And yeah. um, so the hiking thing, that was really a one-off deal that I don't know, my dad dreamed it up for something to do on a Friday. Um, we we hunted. Um, and then I would say through high school, it was more of a opportunistic deal because um, sports were taken up every day. I mean, all, yeah. all seasons going to a 3A high school, you know, you play all the sports yep. and uh, you're busy the whole time. So um, anyway, I, I would say it was never foreign to me. And then I got to college and that's when it really kind of, the fuse got lit, you know, um, me and buddies would, would haul off on the weekends to somebody's place, you know, whether it was our place in San Saba County or go down to somebody's place in Harlingen or hit the coast, yeah. uh, 
constantly blowing and going. And then um, that kind of got me started, I guess. If, if I were to say when did I really start hunting, it would have yeah. been, you know, on my own was college. And then uh, when I graduated from A&M, my uncle was stationed in Colorado Springs. And my graduation gift from him was a uh, second rifle season over-the-counter elk tag to come out there and hunt with he and a bunch of his buddies that have been elk hunting out there forever. And That's so, probably the best graduate college graduation present I've ever heard of. Like, it was awesome. So awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, and what made it cool was, that, you know, this was just their elk camp. It wasn't an outfitted deal. Yeah. Um, and we went out there and tacked up horses and mules and rode up into the mountains. And, uh, you know, beginner's luck was really on my side. And, like, the second day I shot this little, you know, 200 and 30 inch five by five bull. And, uh, I was super excited about it. And then I get, we get it back to camp, you know, about midnight and, uh, all those old men are like, we've been hunting here for 30 years and no one shot one that big. And you come up here. And I was like, I don't know, man, I just, just shot the first elk I saw. So, uh, but, but that really, that snowballed big time. Um, real, real, real big. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so from there, you know, graduated and then, uh, uh, from college shoot. Oh, I mean, I was single for 14 years after I graduated from A&M. And so lots, I mean, did a lot of hunts, uh, foreign hunts, you know, buddy that would rope me into going to Africa with him a few times. Uh, you know, you got, you got buddies getting you to go to Panama to go on fishing trips, you know, so I got all that in and out of the way and then lucked out and got married in 2014 and yeah. we have a boy and a girl now and now I'm getting to see them kind of get into it. So it's a lot that's of cool. That's, that's yeah. a really cool story. Like you said, you know, having that time, you know, after college and going on those trips and that's, it's kind of like, not really that I have the time, but I've, I've made time to go and do things and then when opportunities mm -hmm. come I've always said yes like like for instance I had, I had my buddy Tim Inslee I met him on Instagram as well and uh he sent me a message one time we got to talking just because he used to rope calves and rodeo and stuff like that he sent me a message one day and he's like hey man um we uh we need a camera guy to go to Nebraska or not well yeah Nebraska with us to go hunt turkeys mm -hmm. And uh, I was leaving from hunting turkeys in South Texas, and I was coming back home up here to College Station. And um, he's like, well, and he lives in Arkansas. So he was like, if you can make it up here to Arkansas tomorrow, you know, just hop in the truck with me, and then we'll go up to Nebraska. We'll go hunt turkeys. So I was like, you know what? Let's let, let's just do it. So yeah. <laughs> I wound yeah. up, uh, Megan called me, and she's like, oh, you're on your way home. And I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm on my way home. Uh, I need to uh, wash clothes, and then I'm, I'm leaving to go to Arkansas in the morning. And her her and my mom were like, you're going to Arkansas with somebody you've never met before. You just talked to on Instagram. <laughs> and then you're going to get in a car and drive with them to Nebraska to go hunt turkeys. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's what I'm going to do. And we went up there. We, we hunted public land. We wound up killing a triple. Um, and so it was the the trip nice. was well worth it and now tim and i are pretty good friends and we get to talk back and forth on instagram about you know hunting the different stuff so it's that's saying cool. yes to those opportunities and that i think that's what what most people should do for sure 
Oh man, if you if you can swing it, you know it is it is worth it for sure. That's yeah. when the good stories happen when you turn exactly. and burn or do something just at the last minute. That's when it gets yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, what was your, I guess you said you did some international stuff of going to Africa was the, and then fishing in Panama like that. That's yeah. awesome. I see, see one of your, your mounts from Africa, I think back there behind you. <laughs> yeah. uh, As I what, sit what in my was, garage, you notice they're all in my garage and not in the house, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. see it. It's, yeah. That's funny. But no, yeah, like, no. what was that like? Oh man, it was incredible. So, um, the first trip, I went to Zimbabwe in 2006 uh, with a friend of mine. Um, we had no business, no business booking that trip, but we were, <laughs> we were going and it was about a year's worth of mowing yards every day after work and putting the, putting it in a coffee can until yeah. you were like, I can cover it and this is what I can shoot and I can't shoot anything else and yeah. then I can come home. Uh but we went in 2006 uh, to the Save Conservancy in southern Zimbabwe, um, which is super cool. And that was you know, like my first taste of, of Africa. We did a kind of a traditional plains game hunt. Yep. Uh, and zebra, wildebeest, you know, uh, warthog, kudu, impala, um, baboon, I think was the six, yeah. six you know, kind of run-of-the-mill, run-of-the-mill, uh, lineup. Yep. 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 But it was, it was so cool because it's truly wild Africa, you know, oh, there's some, there's some opportunities in South Africa that I think people get kind of disappointed in when they get there, because a lot of that stuff isn't even actually native to South Africa. It's, it's yeah. all high, you know, there's a lot of high fence operations and where we were in Zimbabwe straight, just straight conservancy. I think we were on about a million acres. It was, yeah. you know, and uh, running into elephants and lions and cobras and puff adders <laughs> and you name it, man, it was cool. And so, uh, and, and it was just like everybody says, the, you're already planning your trip back on the plane ride home. You're just like, yeah, I got to get back there. And yeah. so we did, uh, we went back in, um, 2012 to Zimbabwe again, and we went to Western Zimbabwe over by Lake Kariba. And that trip was kind of more of, more of a specific trip. We were doing a Cape Buffalo hunt um, with other opportunities if they presented themselves. And uh, we actually went in December uh, because oh. that's their hottest month of the year. Yeah. And it's kind of, it was on a deal where it's like, look, we got, you know, two Buffalo tags left. They're not, if you're willing to come in December, uh, yeah. you can have them at a discount. And we're like, well, yeah, we can do that. And they're like, now I got to warn you. It's like driving around in a blast furnace all day. And we were yeah. kind of like, yeah, I mean, we kind of do that like nine months out of the year here. It feels like, <laughs> so, uh, we got there and it was definitely hot. I I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say it wasn't hot. It was definitely hot, but you know, we had a little bit of a, little bit of a head start on that and um yeah. had a great trip there uh um did kill a k buffalo i guess that one right there um and uh let's see is that right yeah that's right um and uh and i also got to shoot a tuskless elephant on that trip which was really interesting because it was a, a management tag and yeah. uh, you know shoot the guy, my guide was like, hey, 
I got this management tag. Are you interested in shooting a tuskless elephant? I'm like, man, I never even thought of that, but <laughs> yes, let's go, you know? Yeah. And uh, uh, it was an experience for sure. Like it's not, you're not going out and shooting a school bus, sit parked in a parking lot. Like those elephants are super interesting. I never understood how you could not see an elephant standing in the brush 40 yards away from you, but it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh, that trip was really cool. Um, and like I said, that was a 10 day hunt in, in Western Zimbabwe. And then the last time we went, which I think may be my, Maybe my last time. I don't know. Uh, I kind of want to do other things. You start doing the same. Now they're all different hunts, but all that time you, for me anyway, you know, it would take me six years to save up for a trip like that. So yeah. that, that meant I wasn't doing really anything else that big. That. Yeah. yeah. And so the last one was um, uh, Burkina Faso, which is Northwest Africa. Okay. Uh, by Mali and like Ivory coast. I mean, this is a weird one that my buddy found and uh, most of their hunters are from France and from uh, Europe because it's okay. closer, you know, yep. that north. and you hunt with a translator because your pHs don't speak English. They speak French though. And so you end up with this translator who doesn't speak English that well either. And they're the ones that are trying and most of them don't even hunt. So they, that's like their first time in a, in a safari camp, the translators, yeah. like, like my guy who I loved, Remy, uh, like the first day he shows up in like a neon green, you know, soccer jersey, like ready to go. And I'm like, hey, man, you got a different shirt or so I gave him, gave him like a green Under Armour T-shirt or something. I'm like, yeah, hey, wear this. But um, that trip was really cool because I just it was so off the beaten path and so odd, like and we shot a. Western Savannah Buffalo, which are kind of like a miniature Cape Buffalo okay. on that. And then that's where all the roan, roan live. That's where you want to go to shoot roan, uh, water buck, say, uh, what else was on that trip? I think that was it. But um, anyway, really interesting because it was, you know, when was that? 2016. So uh, 2017 is basically when Burkina Faso was, overrun by uh Boko Haram and uh it was kind of ramping up while we were there so a little nerve-wracking wow. you know but um no no close calls no close calls but definitely getting to see it you know firsthand is pretty strange but uh no that was it man that's that's all my Africa stuff I, like I said I, I'm probably done I'm the next time Africa gets hunted I'll probably be sending someone else over there to hunt yeah yeah, yeah, I hear you. That, yeah. That's pretty cool, though. But yeah, like you said, you hunt an area or you hunt an animal or, you know, do that for a little while and you want to experience other things because you beat people on those trips that talk about other experiences mm -hmm. they've had or other places they've been. And then you're like, okay, well, let me add that to the list. And like you said, you start doing the same thing. It takes time to save up for those trips. Yep. And then that means, you know, in between there, you're not, you're not doing much. But you still hunt Texas uh, quite a bit too. Yes, yeah, so you know, um, all in between there, I was hunting. Uh, I was on a lease up in the Texas Panhandle for a while, uh, which felt about as far as Africa from uh, where I was. I was living in the woodlands, I think, at the time. So it was about a nine-hour drive to my dear lease. Yeah. <laughs> but um, 
that was a great, you know, with buddies on that place for a long time. Um, nowadays, uh, mainly my hunting is, um, I started duck hunting, uh, in the last three years, uh, down on yeah. the coast in Port O'Connor. And okay. really that, that was a function of, uh, of the place I've got to hunt down there through friends, which is incredible. And, yeah. um, being able to take my seven-year-old daughter, my wife, my four-year-old and get in the pit blind. And it's, you know, it's fairly easy. You can kind of do it as a family affair. Yeah. Uh, we've got gator tags on that place. So we'll shoot a gator every year and make a big deal out of it, you know? And, uh, um, there's some deer, uh, there's some deer on it that, um, we, uh, we really kind of save them for the kids on the lease. Yeah. No, the adults don't really hunt them. Um, but yeah, then, uh, uh, kind of led to in the last three years, what I kind of came full circle back to that college, uh, college graduation gift and really wanted to get back into like the Western States, um, and backpack hunting and mountain hunting. And so, uh, eased into it, I guess, if you will, and did an Arizona coos deer hunt two years ago. Um, you know, kind of a solo backpack. Yeah. Solo backpacking trip in Arizona. Uh, didn't kill anything, but had a good time and kind of learned some stuff and then came back. And then this year, uh, this year, my buddy drew a bull tag, uh, first, first rifle season bull tag in Colorado. And, uh, it was in a pretty high altitude place. And so, um, obviously he was like, I need, I need somebody to go with me. And I'm like, man, all you had to do is ask, like I'm, yeah. I'm in. And so we, we went out and it was in October, mid October, October 15th, I think was that season. And we got there a couple of days early. Uh, and both of us had had success elk hunting in the past, like, but we're definitely not elk hunters. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. You know? Um, but we had done our research and, uh, you know, been trying to work out and get in shape and do all that good stuff to get a 44 year old pair of knees up the mountain. And <laughs> we, uh, got there a day before season opened. So we had, you know, we had a scouting day and, uh, we found a group of group of elk way up above tree line, like two miles off in this bowl. And we didn't see any other elk that whole day. And, we're just like, well, that's where we're going in the morning. I mean, there's, that's, that's where, where we got to go. Yeah. And so we left our camp at like four on opening morning. And I think we were at 10,000 feet, 10, five, something like that was where we were camped. Uh, it was two miles to where we knew we needed to get to where those elk were the night before. Um, that took about shit, four hours, I bet. Uh, yep. Because when we got up there, we were at twelve five, <laughs> and oh uh, we were just about to cross this open bowl to get to the next little ridge to look over and see if those elk were still bedded where they were the night before. And just as we were about to step out of the timber, I see a bull across from us step out of the opposite timber, and so we both hit the deck, and uh, Keith got on the sticks real quick, and I ranged it he ranged it. We both agreed. Um, and he just smoked it, you know, uh, he was shooting a 280 Ackley improved yeah. and, uh, perfect shot. It ran down the hill about 30, 40 yards and, uh, stopped and he hit it again and just dropped it. 
we got down there and I, I looked at my onyx when he shot and we were at 1250 i think is what elevation we were at and so uh to put to put it to, to emphasize how high we were i guess um we found a deadhead bighorn sheep skull up there by where we shot the elk which was pretty cool super cool sheep country sheep country yeah i mean we we're in the willows it was wild and um so anyway we boned that sucker out and uh took a skull got the skull basically down to a uh a skull skull mount that hadn't been boiled yet you know yeah i'm talking eyeballs uh, I, I don't think we got the brain out but we got everything else off that skull that we could boned all the meat um and then loaded up our packs and I told Keith, I was like, I think we can get all this. And he's like, man, I don't know. One trip. And I was like, I, I think so, you know, so it's worth a try. So we get it all yeah. loaded up and help each other get these backpacks on and then help each other off the ground. You know, I bet it was a pretty funny sight. Um, yeah. Once we get up, uh, it's heavy, but at least we're going downhill, you know. Um, yeah. But it was, you know, two miles back to camp. So we got back to camp and... uh that's probably another three hour trip and not too bad. And the next morning we got up and took it six miles down to the truck, turned around, came six miles back to camp, went to sleep, woke up, packed up, and then six miles back. And Monday morning, man, at like 10 o'clock, we were on the road back to Texas. It's like, that was super efficient. <laughs> Very efficient. <laughs> real efficient. Yeah. yeah. At least, it, like I said, I've never done it. Like I went on the Idaho trip, but we didn't get anything. But at least, you know, if I, in my brain, at least if you pack everything up, that initial trip, yeah. and say you get far enough, you know, and like, hey, I, I want to drop something or hang something in a tree here. Well, your trip back is less. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It, you just pick it up there and then keep going. But yeah, it, that's it's very daunting loading up your packs with two guys in, a, in one. Oh. It was, and it was funny to look at like all of our tracks on Onyx, you know, um, each route back and forth, back and forth from the truck and how that time would consistently go down and go down and go down until when we came home Monday morning, we had our camp with us. Of course, we had eaten all of our, or a lot of our food. We'd already put the rifle back at the truck on one of the other trips. So we were pretty light, as light as we could be. And yeah. so we were just like, let's see what we can do. Let's see, you know how fast we can get back to the truck. And um, so our first trip in with, with camp on our back uphill, you know, gaining about 1500 feet that took us about, uh, it was six miles and it took us about five hours, five and a half hours to do it. The last morning when we took camp on our back and went downhill, we made it in two hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> so, like the difference in uphill versus downhill is, phenomenal yeah. you know it's like yeah oh. and knowing that you're going to the truck for the last time and there's the last time 12, and 12 pack down. of Coors original in a cooler waiting on you you know i like it so, i like yeah it. yeah but uh yeah. no that that's uh that was the most recent um recent trip so i'm hoping to do some more of that here in the future yeah that's awesome like that you get that western i guess you got your western bug early uh with that trip after graduation mm -hmm. but like i said i i didn't I, this was my first time for actually well, turkey hunt in Nebraska. It was my first time hunting out of Texas and then, you know, going out to Idaho and like seeing that country, it just, it makes you want to go back and makes you want to do it again. Sure. I, 
elk deal is I haven't hunted elk yet. Um, but at this point in time, I'm more of a, a mule deer guy. I don't know yeah. if it's because of the whitetails and stuff, but mule deer get me a little bit more excited than elk. I just, uh, to me, it's like, it's, it's mule deer consistent. It's, it's the same thing. I feel mm-hmm. like when people, some people's idea of elk hunting, you know, is bugling in your face and crashing through the timber and, and the likelihood of getting that experience is, you know, pretty slim. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to be at the right place at the right time. But when you do get that chance, it's, it's awesome. I'm sure, but it, it's few and far between mm-hmm. and that way, you know, chasing mule deer, it's the same thing. You're playing mind games with them and trying to beat them at, you know, them living. <laughs> oh yeah. I went to Colorado three or four times after my uncle had invited me up there, um, during archery season. And uh, with some buddies, you know, and then we went there because I'm like, well, I've been to this one place. I don't, you know, it's before Onyx. This shit is before Google Earth. I mean, we didn't know. Yeah. Look at the Colorado hunting guide and flip through it. And I'm like, well, I know this place. So we went there and, you know, during archery season, expecting exactly what you're talking about. Oh, they're going to be bugling and blah, blah, blah. I mean, we didn't hear an elk, didn't see an elk. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, oh, uh, yeah. Who, who knows on that? But, I'm going to put in for some mule deer states this year again and cross my fingers, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Pronghorn's pretty high on my list. I want to, I want to hunt one of those. So I might try that this year. I got a couple points in Wyoming that I might try to use and do a pronghorn hunt. Oh yeah. uh, I I need to get some more, you know, some Texas hunting out. All that. I still want to chase those Neil guy access, all that kind of stuff. I've had oh, an opportunity man. to film and like uh, help guide, I guess you'd say, with other people, mm-hmm. but I just haven't had the chance to be, you know, on, on the trigger or anything yet. But we're, we're working on it. Yeah, that's great, man. I I, I highly recommend Nil Guy Hunting. Um, love it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, uh, I did get, I, I got to go on a, a pronghorn hunt probably six or eight years ago up in the Texas Panhandle through a friend's kind of in-laws deal, you know, that had some country up there with, that was awesome. Um, so much fun. So I've been pretty lucky, lucky with, with my access to places for sure. Yeah. But but uh, it's it's all a part of it, you know, just meeting people and, you know, just becoming friends and just get those opportunities. Like you said, say yes, you know, you get invited back when you say yes a lot of times. You say yes, and and you're helpful around camp, then you'll probably yeah. get invited back. Yeah, <laughs> don't be a turd. Know, yeah, nobody wants to be in camp with the with the sour guy or sour gal or however you want to put it. But you yeah. know, everybody wants to have fun and hunt, and just be around good people. I tell you what, uh, what's really cool for me too in the hunting hunting circle now is my wife has just got into to shotgunning. Yeah, uh, like literally this year. So she went on her, she started shooting in August. She, she went on a dove hunt uh, out there where you went um, in, uh, where y'all at? Roby? Is it Roby? No. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you talking about the, the stewards Albany. of the wild? Albany. Albany. That Albany hunt. Yeah. So she was that at the same place the next weekend on a TWA ladies hunt. That's Which right. Was her, that's right. Her first ever hunt and uh, dove hunt, and I mean, she got the bug bad. Yeah. And uh, her next hunt was a, a little, uh, you know, pin raised kick and shoot quail hunt in Wimberley, which was yep. 
was cool. And from there, that's when she went to South Dakota on a pheasant hunt, like just boom. And, uh, and then, she, and then two weeks ago, she was in, uh, out South of Marfa on a blue quail hunt, uh, with, with Josh from Spoke Hollow. So okay, yeah, yeah. Just, just ate up with it, which is really fun to see. Cause she's super excited about it. And, um, you know, we, we've always had fly fishing in common. That's kind of how we met, uh, and have, you know, we've fly fished tournaments and on the coast together and fly fish together all the time. But now she's starting to get into the hunting thing too, which is super cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's cool. You could do that. I mean, Megan hunts, I mean, she's, she's killed bigger animals than I have. You know, it's funny. <laughs> we have, she's, uh, like I said, we live in a duplex here, but we have, um, her sable and her black buck hanging up. So like the maintenance guys, when they first came, when we first moved in, they come over like, Oh dude, look at that. And they're like, you shoot that? And I'm like, nope. They go, what about the black buck? I'm like, nope. They go, who, well, this is my, well, it was my girlfriend then, but fiance now, they're like, those are hers. And they're like, well, where's yours at? And I'm like, well, there's a, a year old mount of a white tail right there. There's a couple turkey fans in there. Those, those are mine. So yeah, she's been to Africa. She went on a girl's trip a few years ago and she nice. shot a, a sable and then a mountain reed buck. And then her first big game animal she shot was her, her black buck. So I, I was cool. with her on that hunt. And then we've hunted whitetails together since, you know, we, we started dating. So that's pretty cool. We have that in common. And then we, we fish together too. So it's always like, uh, you, you either, most guys, you know, their wives or girlfriends don't hunt or anything. And they're like, Oh, I wish, I wish you did. Well, it's kind of, you know, double-edged sword. It's fun when they go along, but then it's like, then she wants to go. And then you have to say the, on those trips, like, well, honey, it's kind uh-huh. of guy's trip this time and you know have to deal with that <laughs> i kind of joke with her uh you know you just you just doubled the price of my hunting habit yeah <laughs> or my much. fishing habit because yeah. now now trips that you would split with a buddy there's yeah. no splitting it <laughs> no there's no splitting it now no no, no. But it's still fun. It's definitely worth it. Oh, I, yeah. Really, it's a lot of fun. I'd pick this over having to, like, sneak around and uh, hide what you're, you're buying for hunting gear and stuff like that, for sure. That seems yep. a whole lot harder. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, man. Yep. Well, that's pretty cool, Trey. I'm, I'm glad, glad I finally got you on the podcast so we could have a conversation. You know, we've ran into each other at different events and things. And, you know, you're having a booth or we're working or something. So we hadn't really had a, a time to talk, but I, I really enjoyed it. And, man, I, we'll probably have to get you on another one to talk about cool. some more hunts that you've got planned. Yeah, for sure. I love it. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, uh, look forward to getting to see each other more often, too. And whether that's like you said, events or I used to go to a lot of Aggie football games, but now I got a seats are so damn expensive and they make you pay for like a three-year-old to go in those things. So yeah, yeah, it's getting a little yeah. harder. <laughs> it, it is, but we, we try to go to baseball games. Those are a little bit easier. We got some, yeah. you know, and it plays save Houston all the time, but that's where I went to school. So we'll try right. to make those games and stuff. But yeah, if you do come from college station, let me know. We'll grab a bite to eat or something for sure. Yeah, man, we'll go the chicken. Let's get a yeah, sounds get good a burger in a bucket. <laughs> yeah, dude, we can do, definitely do that. Definitely do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, man. Well, maybe oh, sometime too, we'll have to share a hunt cap. Hunt cap yeah. at some point. Absolutely. Um, yes, sir. But yeah, thanks for having me, man. And uh, I guess Listo Provisions www.listoprovisions.com and exactly. uh, at Listo on Instagram. So definitely, if you're in the market 
for some steak proof gators. These are the ones you need to check out. I wear them. They're awesome. They're comfortable. They don't make you sweat. They're like I said, they work great. So uh, thanks, Trey. Talk All right, to you thanks, later. Thanks, Brandon.